Uh, I want to open the word to you. I want to go to 2 Corinthians. It's been our scripture uh, for this series, Kingdom uh, Multipliers. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly. It's interesting it says remember this. Almost like this could be a principle you could forget. So make sure you remember this one. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This used to be my excuse not to give because I didn't want to like make God unhappy and I was not cheerful when I was giving. So I'm like, you know what? Not, not this month. Not this month, Lord. If you can make me happy when I'm doing it, I'll, I'll, I'll get in line. But we know God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you. And God is able. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I just want to declare this over you from the start, is that you serve a God that is not just enough or barely enough. You serve a God that is able in every situation, in all things, at all times, in all places, to bless you abundantly. And and God, we, we serve an abundant God, not a halfway God. That's why we worship like we worship. We're not serving just a halfway God or just a Sunday God. We're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're serving the God who sent his son Jesus to die on a cross to wipe away our sins. We serve the one who is our provider, who is our healer, who is our deliverer. That's why we worship like we worship is because he's really that good. And he is able. I, I don't know, maybe you came in today and you're just like facing some area of lack. And let me just tell you, God is able. God is able to bless you in all times and in all ways. In this series, we've been talking uh, about the, the kingdom multipliers. The multiplier mindset is this. When we talk about resource, when you talk about finances, you talk about money, there are some things you got to understand about this, and this will help you. If you want to see, see God multiply who you are and what you have, there's some things you have to know, and this is it. He, God, owns it all. So that's where most of us make our first mistake is it's not ours to begin with. I know it's your business, it's your check, it has your name on it, all that. But, but God blessed us. He gives us the power to make. So he owns it all. Every day is an opportunity. If you're going to have a multiplier mindset, I have to first know God owns it all. Secondly, I have to understand that every day is an opportunity to bless someone. I, I, I can give to someone, bless someone, encourage someone. And then the next one is action is required. So it's not enough just to think it, you have to say it. This is actually good marriage advice. Husbands, this is good. You can think it, right, but you also have to say it. She, she can't read your mind and find out she's beautiful. You have to actually say it. I may or may have not learned that through my counselor. <laughs> Joking. Action is required. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Remember... Your blessings. There's so much power in just remembering how blessed we are. Remember your blessings. The next one, thank God. Thank God. Man, this is what we did this morning. We're just thanking God. We're identifying areas that God's been good to us. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for the family you set me in. Thank you for the wife. 
Thank you for my kids. Thank you for the job. Thank you for this life that you've given me. That doesn't mean it doesn't have disappointments or downturns or difficult times, but I can find all kinds of ways to be grateful. In order to have a multiplier mindset, these things are needed. I was a youth pastor before I took the church, and back in the 90s, if you're a youth pastor, you used acronyms. All right, so if you look at the first letter of each of those points, it spells this, it spells heart. If you want to have a multiplier mindset, you have to understand that God is not after your money. God's not even after your time. He's not after what you can do. He's after your heart. I found this to be true, though. If, um, if you are holding tight to those things, he'll go after those things until he has your heart. He'll go, he'll go after that stuff. Until, but, but God is after your heart. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I don't know if you know this or not, but God doesn't need your money. He's doing all right. He's been around for a long time. He's doing great. He doesn't need your money. Sometimes we think of money or resource, generosity, tithing, as if God needs it. God doesn't need our money. What he wants is our heart. And God's plan for you is so good and so big and so amazing, but he knows the only way you get his plan is for you to do things his way. So he says, I want to make sure I have your heart so I can make sure to lead you into the good life that you have. I was, I was preaching last week. I got done, and uh, one of my buddies hadn't been in church in a really long time. He came to church, and, and uh, he said, hey, man, I just came back to church for, after a really long time, and the first thing you're talking about is money. I said, yeah, you know, that's a, a series we're in. And, and I started thinking about it, and I was praying this morning. I thought, you know, this isn't even about money. This is way bigger than money. This is about heart. You know how many people I meet with every single week that are, are bound with materialism or they're under the weight of indebtedness or, the, or, they, or they're in some type of financial pressure cooker that they're trying to get out of? Do you know one of the number one reasons for families failing or marriages divorcing is money? I, th I think it's probably important for us to lean in to what the Bible tells us about finance so that we can give our heart entirely to him so that he can bless what we have and how we live. God's not after your money. God is after your heart. There's all kinds of reasons that people don't want to talk about money in church. I've been giving a couple of them to you over the weeks. But the, the number one reason people don't want to talk about money in church is because they've seen money mismanaged. So you've seen organizations or nonprofits or churches mismanage money, so you have this check. Like, oh, man, we're talking, we're talking about money. Just relax. No one's, no one's, we're not taking an offering today. This is, this is, this is a safe place. But that's one of the, the reasons people have a difficult time Talking about money in church. You know, Jesus talked about money all the time. Your Bible has over 2,500 scriptures on wealth, money, and possessions. The Bible talks about it, and the church talks about it like 1% of the time. Because most people are scared of what you're going to think when they start talking about money. But the truth is, you will never walk in the fullness of blessing until you incorporate kingdom principles that release that blessing on your life. Now, let me help you. The reason we give is not to receive. If the reason we gave was to receive, the reason we give would be out of a selfish heart. But generosity is the antithesis of selfishness. 
Generosity is the opposite of selfishness. Selfishness is the opposite of generosity. So if God was trying to break selfishness in us, he would not get us to give to get. So we really give to give. God, you've blessed us, so now I can be a blessing. You are not supposed to be hoarding what God's given you. You're supposed to be a conduit of God's blessing. That God says, I trust you, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to trust you to bless someone else. That does not mean that God doesn't want you to have resources, things, money, houses, all of those. That, he doesn't want those things to have you. Because what do we say? God's not after your money, he's after your heart. So if your heart is wrapped up in stuff, then God's going to go after your stuff. But if your heart is totally given to him, you're, you're, you're going to find a new freedom in the area of your finances and in generosity. Another reason people don't want to talk about money is that they've just never developed a generous heart. It's like a spirit of poverty. It's really a selfish heart. It's just you get what you can and you hold on tight so you don't lose it. No, you, we serve a big God. We serve a big God who is able. Oh, he's able. He's able to bless us. Another reason... People don't really talk, like talking about money, and this one's a hard one, okay? So this was like, this is, this is for everybody that's not here. They don't believe the Bible. That's just the truth of it. It's the reason that, that we don't like talking about it, we don't like those principles, it's because we don't believe what the Bible says. In fact, sometimes we trust, a lot of times we trust the world more than we do the word. It, it, I, I grew up, uh, my first job was a paper route. And so I had a Huffy 12-speed. It just came out. Just came out. It used to be 10. They get, came, the 12-speed came out. I got the 12-speed. And uh, actual newspapers for all the young people in the room. This is not an iPad. This is actual paper that you deliver to the doorway of each house. And, uh, and so I had this paper out. Now, my family, they taught us from a very early age that whenever we got paid, even as, as a young person, even with a paper out, barely getting paid anything, to deliver these papers, that we would tithe on whatever we made. Now, that was, that was tough for me when, you know, your check is like $42. And my dad's saying, make sure you give 10%. You know, 10% goes to the Lord. And I'm like, man, that's, that's a lot of money. And I was saving up, okay? This is the reason it was difficult for me. I was saving up for a Shaquille O'Neal limited edition cracked backboard basketball hoop. It wasn't actually cracked. It just looked cracked because Shaquille O'Neal had just broke a backboard. So they marketed it really well. And I'm like, I wanted that so bad, $162. I'm like, I'm going to save. But that tithe was cutting into my savings. You know what I'm saying? It's like it takes, takes a while to, to earn that on my paper out. And, uh, but my, my, my family, we always were raised knowing that that is not ours. It belongs to the Lord. And so I tied, I finally saved up, bought my basketball hoop all on my own, $162. And my neighbor, who was about four years older and a lot bigger, came over and he actually broke the backboard. So that was fun. Uh, has nothing to do with the message, but I'm just getting some healing as I'm telling you. <laughs> Still have a little unforgiveness there. At, at, at the earliest possible age, my parents taught us that what we have didn't belong to us. That it belonged to the Lord. And whenever there was increase, this word that you probably heard, maybe use the right way, maybe use the wrong way, maybe has a wrong connotation for you, but I'm going to help you with it, that we would tithe. Tithe actually means tenth. It means tenth. It means tenth. Whenever ten is used in the Bible, it usually means testing. If anyone's ever tithed, then you understand that really well. It is a test. It, it, it is a test. Test. People talk to me and say, hey, pastor, you know, I, I, I really feel like God's asking me to tithe. I'm going to start tithing 4%. And 
and, um, and then I'm going to next year, I'm going to try to get up to 5%. And this is cool, okay? That's, that's great. If you want to give 4% or 5%, that's totally good. It's just not a tithe because a tithe means 10th. So if you give 5, that's not 10. I know it's homeschool, but I'm, I still got a little something up here, all right? It, a tithe is a 10th. In the Bible, there were how many commandments? Ten commandments. How, in, in, in the Bible, ten represents testing. How many plagues in Egypt? It's ten. That's good. How, how many, you remember the story of Jesus? He, he had told the ten, oh, I just gave it away, ten virgins to make sure they had enough oil. How many times did, did God test the Israelites in the wilderness? Ten. How many disciples were there? Oh, that's good. You, that was a trick question. There, are, there were twelve, not ten. Somebody said 10 in the back. He's like, oh, I meant 12. Like, we know, we know, it's all right. It's like Sunday school, Jesus is always the right answer, right? You know, just you go with it. Who split the Red Sea? Jesus. Kind of. I mean, he, he was involved. The tithe is the first 10% of our income given back to God for the building of his house and the expansion of his kingdom. This act of obedience directly benefits and blesses our life. So I want to talk about the tithe for a couple minutes here today. And I know for some of us, like I said, it might have some negative connotation, but I want to show you in scripture how the tithe actually unlocks the blessing of God in your life. In Genesis chapter 14 is the first time the tithe is mentioned in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. It says, then Melchizedek, a type of Christ, some prophets or from some scholars even believe this was actually Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. King of Salem brought out bread and wine. It's the first mention of communion. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now listen to this. And then Abram gave him a tenth, or a tithe, of everything. A couple generations later, Genesis chapter 28, verse 22, it says, And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all of you that get all, and, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth or a tithe. Exodus chapter 13, the next book. Consecrate to me every firstborn male. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Now, now God begins to introduce a principle that we call first fruits. First fruits, that, that the first is special. The first belongs to God. And a lot of people say, well, well Pastor, I, I don't know if there's tithing in the New Testament or under the New Covenant. And, and I just want to ask you a question. This is a trick question, okay? So I'm not going to actually trick you. I'm telling you it's a trick question. If Jesus asked you to tithe, Jesus himself, would you? Sorry, good answer. Good. I'm glad we prefaced it. If Jesus asked me to tithe, yes, we would. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus is, is speaking, and he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. It's a rough start to the conversation. He says, For you pay tithe, tithe, this was, this was their commerce, spices, of mint, anise, and cumin, these were all spices, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Now, I've had a lot of young theologians that got their degree from YouTube <laughs> like to tell me, see, Jesus said that justice, mercy, and law are faith. And I say, yeah, could you just please keep reading? Because I know 
that generation has a difficult time like reading the whole thing. It's like we like the highlight portion. But it says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others. What's the others? The tithe. Undone. You know what Jesus was saying, which is actually very convicting? He didn't even think the tithe was a big deal. He said, all y'all are tithing. I'd like to see a little justice and mercy and faith out of you. He says, you should have you kept on tithing while putting a little action behind your faith. See, tithing is base level. That's not, that's not meant to make anybody feel bad. That's just like the, ba- that's the base level. In fact, it doesn't even belong to us. It belongs to God. That God has blessed us, given to us, and the first of what he's entrusted us, we give back to him, and then we steward the other 90%. So let me, let me just break it down like this. First of all, the tithe is a test. The tithe is a test. So I think I said this already, but let me just say it one more time for all of you that are ha- like getting a little tight around the neck and just feeling like you need to go take a break and come back a different week. We're not taking an offering today, and this is not to put condemnation on anybody, but this is an invitation to step in to a kingdom multiplier that will, I promise you, unlock greater blessings, not just financially, in every area, greater blessings in your walk with God. Now listen, the tithe is a test. The tithe is two things. The tithe, as a test, is it has to be first, and it has to be ten. All right? You can give more than 10, and that would be called an offering. So people say give tithes and offerings. Tithe is 10%, and then offering would be over that. So the first thing you do in, before you tithe is you have to identify what is the first. Okay, so I borrowed someone else's money because I didn't want to use my own up here. In fact, it was, it was too much. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. That's that's a thousand dollars right there. That's I might I might keep this. In a hundred dollar bills. Okay, so this this is usually how it works. Okay, you get paid. We're paying the mortgage company, right? The bank. It's got we got to pay the mortgage. We got to pay for the car. We got to pay for the lights, right? We got to pay for Amazon Prime. Wait, that's my house. Okay, uh, we 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 got to pay for food, right? We 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 got it. We got to pay, you know, we, another another uh, hospital visit for the dog and and uh, all, all those things. And okay, at the end of your month, you got ten percent left. You're like, oh yes, I can tithe. The only problem with that is that's not a tithe. But I gave ten percent. I, I I know, but you have to catch the spiritual principle of what the tithe is. The tithe is different. The tithe is this. I get increased or I get paid and I identify the first 10%. Lord, I give this to you. Before I calculate, right? Before, I, before I'm like, well, this one's going to be crazy. For us, it's like November birthday month. Every day somebody else has another birthday. We're not even having Christmas in our house. We have to buy birthday presents for all of our family. Thank you. I identify the first, I pay the tithe, I return, is technically the word to use, is I return the tithe. I don't give the tithe because it's not mine to give. God gave me, blessed me, now I return to him. And then I steward this. And I say, and this is going to be number two in just a second, 
I say, Lord, I trust you. The tithe is a test. It's testing me who I trust with my income. It's also a declaration. So not only is it a test, will I honor God with the first, it's a declaration of trust saying, God, I trust you that that 90%, you're going to be able to make work for me. Now, I know we got young people in the room. I want you to know this. If you catch this principle now, you will see God's blessing on your life now. This is not, I used to, when I, was, when I was a teenager, I used to think that these kind of messages were for, like, the old people. But I'm going to tell you something. If you catch it now, it will revolutionize your life. I started tithing as a 15-year-old with a paper route, and I saw the blessing of God come on my life. And I saw miracle after miracle after miracle of God's provision, not just financially, but spiritually, emotionally, physically, the blessing of God. And we got married. Jamie and I got married. We had no money. And we made a commitment to each other that we, we bought a little 800-square-foot house in Washington State, and I still to this day don't know how we got approved to buy it. I mean, that was a miracle. I was like, they should not have done that to us. Like, I sh- I, but we got it, and uh, we in the, we're in there, and me and Ryan remodeled, Ryan remodeled our whole house. That's my brother, and I was there for moral support. And in some months, we're like, ooh, if we tithe, I don't know if we're going to have enough money at the end of the month. But we made a commitment that we would not calculate anything without first calculating the tenth, the tithe. And I'm going to tell you this, God, and maybe it doesn't mean anything to you coming from me as a pastor, but I'm going to tell you this, God has over decades now, he has shown himself so faithful and so good over and over and over and over again. The tithe is a test. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops, your increase, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. There, there's two testimonies of people that tithe or don't tithe, right? Tithers and non-tithers. Tithers say this consistently, I'm blessed. Talk to somebody that tithes. I can, I can, you probably wouldn't trust me. I can set you up with someone that tithes. Like it's, it's, a, it's a plant. No, if you ask someone, hey, do you tithe? They'll say this, I'm blessed. There are people that don't tithe, and they will all tell you the same thing, whether they're millionaires or whether on food stamps. They'll tell you the same thing. I can't afford to tithe. Do you think that there's a principle somewhere hidden in there? You do not hear tithers say, I can't afford to tithe. Tithers tithe. People that don't tithe consistently say, I can't afford to tithe. The tithe is a test. It's a declaration. A tithe is not a tip, a leftover, but rather an establishing a priority and a declaration of trust. Wherever your first goes is who you thank for your income. I'm going to say this. It's going to be a little hard, okay, and then I'm just going to back out of it, okay? So let me just say it this way. Most of us trust our mortgage company, our bank, to foreclose on us more than we trust God to bless us. So whoever you trust the most, you'll pay first. So when I, that's, I know it's a little heavy. It's like, we need to save that for the next service. When I tithe, it's a test of who I trust. When I tithe, it's a declaration that I do trust. But this is my favorite one. When I tithe, it's a reminder. I want to show you this in Scripture, Exodus chapter 13. This is after God gives the law, teaches them to tithe, that the first belongs to God, it's holy to God. And, and, and this is what God says to the people of Israel. He says, in days to come, 
When your son asks you, what does this mean? Why are you giving the first of our livestock to God? Why are you sacrificing them? What does this mean? Say to him with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. When Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. And this is why I sacrifice to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us up out of Egypt with his mighty hand. So let me just explain this real quickly. This is what this means. It means that tithing in this instance, is a reminder of God bringing the people out of captivity. So let me just put it in your world. When your kids see you giving away the 10% of your hard-earned money, and they ask you why, then you can say, come here. Daddy wasn't always a Christian. Daddy used to be depressed. Daddy was full of himself. Daddy didn't understand the goodness and the love of God. But Jesus found me, and he saved me, and he redeemed me. And every time I give, I say, I'm not my own leader. I'm not my own pastor, my own boss. Lord, I give myself to you. It is a test, it's a declaration, but it's a reminder that Jesus saved me. He set me free. And listen, this, this is supposed to be generational. I get to tell my boys, hey, you know what? The reason I give is because God changed your dad's heart. I had a critical spirit. I was full of judgment and pride. But Jesus saved me. He anointed me, gave me purpose. I get to, Every time I tithe, it's a, it's, it's a chance to remember the goodness of God. Tithing, it does a couple things. It breaks the curse of the world. It breaks my dependence on money, and it breaks the selfishness in me. Ouch. Breaks the curse of the world. What does that mean, the curse of the world? Malachi chapter 3, this is probably the most quoted passage of scripture on tithing. So you, some of you don't check out. You know, you've probably heard it a thousand times. I want to show you something. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, it says, I, the Lord, do not change. I think it's interesting. It starts like that. When it's talking about the tithe, and the number one complaint to the tithe is that the Lord changed. Anyways, tough crowd. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed ever since the time of your ancestors. You've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, your local church, the place where you're spiritually formed, that there may be food in my house. Now listen to this. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now watch this. It says for the only time in Scripture, God says, test me. That's weird. The only time in the entire Bible, God says, test me in this and see if I don't throw open the doors of heaven. Whoa. That blessing would come into your house. 
I was talking with a lady one time, and she was upset. We, we, well, we, we preached on the tide just like this, and I, I was greeting at the door, and she came out, and she was mad, tears coming down her face, and she says, how dare you say we're under a curse? I said, last time I checked, I didn't say it. Malachi did, first of all. I just want to clear that up. I didn't say nothing. Like, this is, this is Malachi. You know what it means to be under a curse? We think of, like, people casting spells, and that's not what the curse was. The curse is void of God's blessing. That's what that is. You know, when you were born, when you came out of your mother's womb, you were cursed. When we came into this world, Romans says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means we're all in a world that's fallen. The Bible says the enemy has power over this world. So we're all cursed. But when you tithe, you give God an opportunity to bless you because now you're not your own ruler. You say, God, I trust you. I give myself to you. I, I, I surrender this to you. When God is first, everything else will fall into place. When you tithe, this is what it does. It gives God an opportunity to bless you. So it's, it, when you're, when, if you're cursed, it means that you're not in a position for God to bless. Well, God can bless me any way he wants. He can, but he chooses to bless you when you obey. I don't know how to say that softer. You know? It's like, man, I just feel, the, I feel some daggers out there. It's like, man, put those down. Put those down. I'm your friend. <laughs> I want you to be blessed. People say, well, pastor, what, what if you're just teaching on the tithes so people give to the church? Well, we need you to give to the church because we have a massive vision. We have an entire region that we have to reach with the gospel of Jesus. We've got to turn Oak Cliff upside down. We've got to break statistics. We've got to see the, the gospel of Jesus lifted up. All, that's all going to happen. But this, this is how much we believe, and I say this all the time. Biblically, you give your tithe to the place where you're spiritually formed. But I would say this. If you want to test motives and you want to test God, tithe to a different church in our city. Find a place and just give and watch if God doesn't bless you. You don't mean that. I totally mean that. I've been saying that for a decade. God, God, you know, tithes are not the church's provider. God's our provider, just like he's your provider. We're just all trying to step into obedience to what God is doing to allow or to posture ourselves for God to bless us. When God is first, everything else will fall into place. Now, let me, let me close with this story. We've done this in, it's in your Bible in the New Testament. It's the feeding of the 5,000. Matthew chapter 14, it's in there. And uh, Jesus is, is teaching. And this is what the Bible says. Jesus was teaching and the day was wearing away. You know what that means? Jesus was a long preacher. Right? I'm just going to say. I'm just, the day doesn't wear away in a short message, all right? The day is wearing away. The disciples are getting nervous. And I imagine it was Peter. Peter comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, hey, it's getting late, Jesus. I mean, your message is good, but whew, it's a lot of people. We haven't eaten, and so, like, maybe we should send them away to get food. And Jesus says this, you give them food. Peter walks away like, oh, all right. So he starts looking for food. There was only one responsible kid in the entire crowd. The Bible said he had a, he had a couple fish, a couple, couple loaves of bread, had a little Lunchable. Peter twists his arm, says, give me your Lunchable. Jesus needs it. He stole the kid's Lunchable. He comes to Jesus and he says, the only thing we found is this little kid's got a lunch. And this, is what, this is what Jesus says. I'm going to show you something. If you can catch this, 
it, it, it will shift everything about your spiritual life. He says, give it to me. You, need, you have a need? Give it to me. So they give the lunch to Jesus. Jesus blesses it, and he breaks it. He blesses it. Blessing is really key. And he gives it back to the disciples. Okay? Now, it's the same lunch. This little lunchable went from the kids' hands to Jesus' hands, and now to the disciples' hands. Same lunch. And Jesus says, now feed them. I can't, can you imagine what the disciples are feeling at that point? Like, take a small piece, please. I mean, it's like 5,000. Scholars believe it was, that was just men, so it was probably fifteen to 20,000 people. But this is when the miracle happened. The miracle did not happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the sharing of what they had. The Bible says they begin to distribute the food, and the food multiplied. It multiplied. And afterwards, they collected 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Now watch this. This is crazy. I might be reading into this, but think about this for a second. How many disciples are there? Very good. We learned this earlier. There's 12. 12 basketfuls left over. They came to Jesus with the little they had, and they gave it all away, and they left with more than they came with. The, a multiplier mindset says anything I give to Jesus is blessed, and anything I share will be multiplied. This, this, this is wild. The world believes in generosity. You can, you can read incredible books on generosity. The world believes in philanthropy. They believe in giving. You know what they don't have? The multiplier. So they could have said, the little kid said, I want to be generous. Have my Lunchable. Three people get fed. But he said, my Lunchable, I'm going to give it to Jesus, and Jesus is going to bless it. So it left my hands. I gave it, and God blesses it, and he gives it back. Almost like a, almost like a tithe, right? Maybe, almost. Tough crap. Uh, and as they shared it, it was multiplied. Now, let's end with this. Let's not talk about money anymore. Take a deep breath. No more money. If you're going to see God do something powerful through your life, you have to get very comfortable giving your life away. You can just go serve at a shelter somewhere and give to something. All of that is so important. But if you want God to multiply your impact, you say, God, here's my gifts. Here's my talents. Here's my ability. Here's my life purpose. Here's my business. And when God blesses it, when you give it away, when you give encouragement away, when you give serving away, when you give generosity away, God multiplies it. And I'm going to tell you this. The happiest people are the people that are sharing the, their life. The people that are hoarders, not just money. I'm talking about just your life. People that are hoarders, focused on self, will always be dissatisfied. But the people who catch the kingdom multiplier of generosity and give their life away will continually be blessed. The multiplication is not in the keeping. The multiplication is in the sharing. I want to ask you to stand up with me. I want, I want to pray for just a couple things. Bro, you sang a solo back there. <laughs> Scared the heck out of me. <sighs> I thought it was angels for a second. That's how good it sounds. I want us to just focus just for a second. 
Hold on just a second, guys. Just hold on one second. Caleb, hold on just one second, please. You can keep on playing. Just hold on. I, 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 want, us to, I want us to really lean in before we go on this thought. Am I giving my life away? Now, you, you take the tithe thing and you let the Holy Spirit deal with you and, and you deal with that on your own. But I want to I end with this thought. Am I giving my life away? In, in, in my friend groups, am I giving my life away? In our family, am I giving my life away? As a husband, a wife, am I giving my life away? Am, am I just taking and trying to find satisfaction? Or am I giving? This is the principle of the feeding of 5,000, that the multiplication happened in the giving. You're depressed? Go give. You find yourself just in a funk. You just can't break out of this oppression. Go serve somebody. Give, flip the script. The kingdom of God is upside down. But when you begin to give, that joy is multiplied. And I'm going to tell you this. I believe God's raising up a church that is not stingy and self-focused. But God's raising up a church that is outward focused. That is looking to be used by God to share who we are and what we are. And I believe God will multiply our effort. And I really believe this. I believe city transformation is coming. We're not looking for full buildings and more campuses. We are looking for cities to be turned upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it happens not just when a pastor, not just a band, but when a people say, God, we're yours. You can use us any way that you want. We're going to share this life. We're going to be generous with what you've given us. You just bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place again. Lord, we know you're here. We can sense your presence. Lord, we can sense your closeness. Lord, we pray that in these last moments together that you would just minister to each and every one of our hearts. I just feel this. I want to pray for this just, just before we close. Just your heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe for some of you in the room, you've actually never put Jesus first. You've never put him first. You've never really given your life to him. Maybe you came to church today and your life is not in a good spot and you haven't been serving God. You say, man, you're talking about money and resources. I, I'm trying to figure my life out. I'm going to tell you this. When you put Jesus first, everything else will come into line. 